Well, welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour podcast. Uh, Ricky is out and about this week, but he will be back. Uh, we are going to be diving into free agency on Wednesday, so look for a special earlier episode uh, next week. There will probably be two episodes as we will continue our Dynasty Countdown, which is what we are going to do today. We are going to look at a wild and crazy NFL news week. And then we are going to continue our Dynasty Top 10 consensus rankings going to running backs. Today, I am joined by Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Excited to be on. Uh, I'm sorry. Again, I, I miss Ricky for what seems like the fourth or fifth time. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful we'll get there. Um, somebody, somebody's got to fill in these awfully big shoes and uh, just one toe at a time for me. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Matt. Yeah, well, you know, I dropped him a link, so you never know when when he might pop up just to startle us all. Probably, I'm sure there's some running back in there uh, that he's really hyped about, or maybe to tell us how great Ryan Tannehill is as a quarterback, that we missed that from last week. Never tire never tire. Well, before we dive into our consensus running back rankings, uh, there was just a few little news items this week for the NFL, getting a jump start on the official start of the league year, which is Wednesday, the 16th. The legal tampering period begins Monday, the 14th, so we can expect a lot of deals to start getting announced. But some teams just couldn't wait, and they pulled the trigger on a number of trades. We had blockbuster trades on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, who knows what we're going to have by the time uh, – Today is over. But the first of those was uh, on Tuesday, a couple big shots of news. First, Aaron Rodgers, who had been rumored to be on the move, agreed to a four-year deal uh, to stay with the Packers. Some reported it was $200 million, around $50 million a year. Aaron Rodgers went on social media to say figures aren't correct, but he's definitely going back. But then the big one was the Denver Broncos – didn't get Aaron Rodgers, but they did pull off a blockbuster trade to get Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. They sent Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, and got Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick back. Jason, you and I were the only two that had Russell Wilson in our top ten uh, when it came to consensus ranks. I assume he's still there for you? Yeah, uh, clearly some clairvoyance on our part uh, for seeing that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, with quarterback, uh, the skill alone is going to dictate a lot of their value, regardless of situation. Um, and clearly their, their prime assets in Seattle for Russell Wilson, when he was there with DK Metcalf and, uh, Anthony Lockett, uh, moving to Denver, it's, you know, trading one for the other and maybe the coaching scheme is more more fruitful in Russell's volume, if that helps. But yeah, I still had him around QB. Uh, I had him at, around. I had him at QB eight. I, I wouldn't bump him up higher, but I don't think it diminishes his value for me from a fantasy perspective. I bumped Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. Bumped up Albert. Oh wait, um, Albert O. <laughs> quite a bit because um, he seems I, – I thought he was developing into a good receiver last year. The fact that they traded Fant uh, and kind of left him as, as the guy at that position gives me a good deal of confidence. I doubt they're going to go make a splashy signing there. Um, so he could have a bigger role. On the flip side, it would be interesting to see if Tyler Lockett ends up getting dealt. We've seen rumors about him going to New England, Chicago, a whole bunch of places. I wouldn't be surprised. Seattle also released Bobby Wagner if they're not done making moves. But I think you definitely have to drop him and DK Metcalf. I dropped Noah Fant in my rankings. Metcalf is going to be the most interesting. He has an incredible skill set. But right now, the only quarterbacks on the Seahawks roster are Drew Locke and Jacob Eason. Um it's possible they use that new number, shiny number nine pick on a quarterback. It's possible they trade for some. There have been rumors they might try to trade for Deshaun Watson. He has a big step in the legal process today, so I'll be curious to see if that hypes up rumors or quells them. But for fantasy, what did it do for you for the assets in Denver and Seattle? Um, 
you, you make an excellent point on Albert O. The, the signaling with Noah Fant leaving, I think, is a, is a very uh, big confidence. Uh, it, it doesn't uh, move him into the top 10 at tight end for me, uh, but he is definitely uh, becomes more of a worthwhile consideration. Uh, maybe, you know, somebody might be sleeping on him in, in your leagues and you sneak him in as a, as a piece and a deal. Um, but for, for Sutton and Judy, I think they go from somebody maybe you're looking to, to, I guess, cut shares of to now you're, you're looking to hold, I suppose. Um, they figured to, to gain value, if anything, during this season and maybe even prior to the season, we could get some, some interesting opportunities. Maybe, maybe you, you leverage the DK Metcalf you know, downward trend and, and try and, you know, do a, a modest, modest deal of, of adding one of these receivers and a, and a pick to upgrade to a more talented player and, and hope that that gamble works out. Yeah. I think the biggest flux for me is probably Tyler Lockett because if he stays in Seattle, I'd probably putting him in the wide receiver four or five range. Cause he was only, a low-end wide receiver three for me, um, as it was, because I think Metcalf is kind of the bigger talent. Lockett's more of the volume PPR kind of guy. I don't know. You know, let's say they roll the dice and take a Malik Willis, who people think is a development project, and they have Drew Locke. But those guys kind of split starts during the season, and it may not be. As somebody who's seen Locke play for three years, he has his moments, but they aren't always great moments. And Seattle doesn't have an incredible infrastructure. They seem like they're pushing their chips in kind of fully on a rebuild, which will be interesting to see. I would I would think this means uh, – you know, they let Penny walk. Yeah. They lose interest because uh, if they're if they're committing to the rebuild, there's no sense spending money at the position. Yeah, and they still have Carson. Carson had signed a two-year deal last year, so he would still come back on one year. Seattle has seemed to find magic just pulling guys, you know, off the scrap heap of life and, and throwing them out there. They could also use some of those draft picks. Yeah. Uh, so the other piece I touched on, Aaron Rodgers, we now know he uh, is staying in Green Bay. They also tagged Devontae Adams. Uh, so Adams should be staying. Aaron Jones had signed a long-term contract. Aaron Rodgers was QB 11 for me, just outside my top 10. I really wouldn't move him in there uh, higher. You know, I think that's still a good spot. But what did that signing do for you, Jason? Uh the only thing it could really do was was bump. Uh, I had Deshaun, Deshaun Watson at ten. Maybe I put Aaron Rodgers in in the ten spot over him just because of the certainty. Yeah, and I mean he's thrived there. I think the question with Rodgers is, you know, we're not quite as hardcore as John is about once you're over thirty, I won't consider you. But um, you know, he is thirty eight. It's nice he has a four year deal. I'm still not convinced that he's happy for four years in Green Bay. I'm still not convinced he plays for four years. But, you know, you can see it. You know, if you take that bet, it's not terrible. He still has great value for this year. But it's almost, to me, he's entered that kind of Tom Brady the last few years stage where if you have him and you're a contending team, he could be a piece to get you in there. But if you're a rebuild or you're a middling team, I just don't see the long-term value in Dynasty. You'd be better off trying to get younger at the position. I think that's a an excellent perspective on it. It's really dependent on your your team situation, uh, and if you're starting up a team, that first round probably makes all the difference on what you're doing with Aaron Rodgers in the early second, maybe or or later in the second round. So the Washington Commanders have been goal one to get a new quarterback. Supposedly they made a big offer to Russell Wilson, who had a no trade clause and declined. Uh, apparently Philadelphia also offered, uh, and he declined them. The Commanders uh, spurned, uh, not able to get Rodgers, not able to get Wilson, uh, turned to, I guess, 
plan B and make a blockbuster trade on Wednesday to get Carson Wentz. Second uh, offseason in a row, he's been traded. Going to be on his third team in two years. He costs uh, a first-round draft pick this year for the Colts, uh, much less expensive for the Commanders. Basically, the Colts and the Commanders swap second-round picks, so the Colts move up five spots there. The Commanders sent a third-round pick, and they have a conditional third for 2023 that could become a second. So uh, we'll talk about Washington first. Washington still has Taylor Heineke, who started a lot of last year. Wentz now in the mix. They still have the number 11 pick. Do they go quarterback again, or do you think they believe that Wentz could be their guy? I, I think Wentz is their guy, but I don't think it's a long leash. Um, I think realistically they should – it shouldn't stop them from taking a quarterback if there's somebody they like on the board. The the amount of importance on the position, uh, just judging from the value these quarterbacks get in these monster trades, you know, shows you uh, how much the gamble is is worth it when it pays off when you're hitting on a quarterback in any of these drafts. And uh, this draft in particular, you it, it looks like you could be taking the first quarterback off the board by the time they're picking there. So I, I don't see any reason to stray from that position just because you have Carson Wentz, who's basically been, I guess, abandoned in his first two stops in the NFL. So yeah, I don't think just having Carson Wentz would keep you from doing it, but knowing Ron Rivera and their team, I'm wondering if Washington looked at the landscape of potential rookie quarterbacks this year and thought, let's roll the dice for one year on a veteran like Wentz and try to rebuild the rest of our team. Because Washington, let's be honest, the quarterback was far from the only reason they struggled. <clears throat> Last year, their defense needs a few pieces. Their offensive line could use some pieces. Excuse me the air in here. Um, but uh, for me, from a fantasy perspective, it's uh, fantasy neutral for Terry McLaren and Antonio Gibson for me. But how do you feel about those guys? Uh, I think that was well put. I, I've not been uh, very high on Carson Wentz. And just realistically, I, I like Terry McLaurin, but he's a He's a lot older than his his fantasy experience or NFL tenure would would let you believe. Uh, uh, I don't mind Antonio Gibson. Uh, in the contrary, uh, I think we 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 have s some evidence at least of of Jonathan Taylor being phenomenal last year with Carson Wentz and his limitations at quarterback. Maybe. Uh, being a good opportunity for the running game in Washington to continue to thrive. Uh, but for the most part, it doesn't, doesn't change how the fantasy assets are, are going to, to be valued in my opinion. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see Washington obviously spent a lot of money last off season to get Curtis Samuel and injuries pretty much kept us from ever seeing what impact, if any, he would have had on the field. Logan Thomas got injured last year. If those guys come back, Wentz could have a few weapons. Maybe that's even more impetus to spend your draft picks on helping the offensive or line or pieces on defense for the Colts. Uh, now kind of an interesting situation. They'll have a new starter for the third time in three years as well. They had Phillip rivers in 2020. They rolled the dice on Wentz and missed the playoffs in 2021. Currently they only have Sam Ellinger and James Morgan on the roster. They also have no first round pick. Um, people have said maybe the Colts will try to agitate and move their way up into the first round. They have $69 million in cap space, so there has been a lot of rumors that they are targeting Jimmy G in a trade. What would you think if Jimmy G ended up in Indianapolis? Upgrade over once? It, it just feels like the more, the more the Colts change, the more they stay the same, if that were the case. 
Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Jimmy G's a fine veteran quarterback. I don't know if I'd consider him an upgrade. If they do that move, I still think they use a second, early second round pick to get whichever of the quarterbacks drops into the second round to have something for the future. I don't, you know, I don't totally understand unless there's a secret big trade coming, uh, this, this move for Indianapolis, because they're good enough that they shouldn't be doing a complete rebuild, but leaving yourself with no quarterback, unless Jonathan Taylor, who... I personally love is still going to, is going to throw the ball as well. They have some problems, but for me, uh, Jonathan Taylor is still the top running back for me. I still like Michael Pittman. So I'm kind of fantasy neutral on this move for them too, but does it do anything with your thoughts on those players? Uh, very much keeps their value basically intact. Uh, I don't see any harm. I don't see any, any improvement. Um, it's actually, uh, brings up a question that that I might pose to you is what what do you value in an NFL quarterback in regards to trying to win a Super Bowl? What's going to going to make a difference for you? You know, what is your importance at the position? Yeah, and I you know I think we've seen teams you know maybe the that's part of the appeal of a of a Jimmy G is you think your team is good enough on offense and defense you just need somebody who's going to manage the game, not kill you and help you get there because we saw that with San Francisco, they had good enough pieces around them it didn't matter. I don't know if the Colts are quite there yet. Um, outside of Pittman, they have more questions than answers in their receiving core. Jack Doyle just retired, so I don't know what they've got at tight end. They have Neheim Hines and they have Jonathan Taylor. But uh, I think a, a curious thing that hasn't been talked about as much is we've seen that offensive line ebb down a little bit the last couple of years. They've lost some pieces. It looks like they're on track with that again. So they actually, what used to be like a rock solid strength for their team is something that they're going to have to move back to. I just don't, I guess if I was a Colts fan, I don't understand exactly what they're going for. It feels kind of like the, quarterback purgatory that Denver's been in since Peyton Manning left. And, and, you know, that happens when you went from Andrew Luck, anything that you went to was going to be a step back. And I, I feel like they're trying, they're throwing a lot of things on the wall. Maybe if they're on that Broncos track, maybe Teddy Bridgewater is the next thing they throw against the wall. Yikes. Hey, it could happen. Well, the, the third blockbuster trade uh, Thursday, Khalil Mack, uh, the defender from Chicago, is going to the Chargers. They're working on finalizing that deal. Rumored compensation is a second-round pick in the 2022 draft and a sixth-round pick in the 2023 draft, which is quite a fall-off from when Chicago paid, I believe, two first-round picks or three first-round picks to get Mack from the Raiders a couple of years ago. Now Khalil Mack going back to the AFC West paired with Joey Bosa. Defense, especially stopping the run and up front and getting pressure, seemed to be an issue for the Chargers at times down the stretch, arguably cost them a chance to get into the playoffs. What do you think of this move? I I just think it's a, a signal of how, how difficult that, that division's going to be. They're almost a reaction uh, to the Russell Wilson move, um, which is, you know, kind of funny to bring back to Russell Wilson. Uh, a lot of a lot of commentary is along the lines of, you know, why are you bringing in, you know, this veteran quarterback to Denver, only to have to face Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert for the rest of their careers in what seems like an uphill battle. And, you know, from my perspective is what, what are you just going to sit out 10 years and not try to win? Um, your team is, <laughs> is excellent. Uh, you might as well put the pieces in place when you have the opportunity. There's no reason a Russell Wilson, a Justin Herbert uh, has a shot to, to take off, uh, you know, on a, a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous season and, and overcome what the chiefs have presented the last few years. So uh, I think, you know, the Chargers are, are making some great moves to put them in position to contend. Yeah, and arguably their biggest move of the week was re-signing Mike Williams. 
three years, 60 million, keeps him locked up alongside Keenan Allen for Justin Herbert out there on offense. After uh, he re-signed and guaranteed uh, with the Chargers, I moved him from a, a low-end wide receiver three up to a high-end wide receiver three. I think I currently have him sitting at wide receiver 25. I feel like Keenan Allen is still there, number one. But I liked what Williams did. Had a career year last year. As long as he can stay healthy, I think they're in a good spot. What did you think of that signing? Uh, I think it it just continues the rapport that was clearly developed between he and Herbert. Um, the more you can keep, in my opinion, uh, pass catchers with the same offense, probably the more beneficial uh, as far as uh, the cohesion and, and maintaining the performance. The final big piece of news was a defensive signing. The Tennessee Titans uh, re-upped outside linebacker Harold Landry, five years, $87.5 million. Ricky was not a fan of the deal. Um, it does feel like a lot for a guy that has 31 career sacks in four years. He's coming off a career year with 12. The Titans' defense is probably not the best part of their team. Seems like a lot to splash out. What did you think of that one? I honestly have have not a lot of opinion on on some of these uh, defensive signings um, as as more of a, a fantasy analyst if if you would like to give me that privilege um, but if Ricky's against it then I stand behind Ricky a thousand percent I think Ricky's just against the Titans most of the time in general but uh, the other big piece of news is Tuesday was the franchise tag deadline. We now know there were eight players that received the franchise tag. I'm going to tick them all off, and then, Jason, you can tell me which one or two maybe were surprises for you. Wide receivers, Devontae Adams tagged by the Packers. Chris Godwin tagged by the Buccaneers. Three tight ends, Dalton Schultz tagged by the Cowboys. Mike Gusecki by the Dolphins. And David Njoku tagged by the Browns. Offensive tackles, Cam Robinson tagged by the Jaguars and Orlando Brown tagged by the Chiefs. And safety, Jesse Bates III was tagged by the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Any of those surprises? Any uh, moves you like there? Um, I would say that the most alarming would probably be the David Njoku tag. I I mean, what are you, what are you going to do with all of these tight ends that you don't use offensively. Meanwhile, um, they're they're trying to trade Jarvis Landry and they let OBJ go. They're going to go back to the wishbone. I think we've seen Nick Chubb's the only Yeah. I mean, you can split out Kareem Hunt, get a little bit more two-back sets. They're talking about moving on from Hunt, too. It might just be Chubb and the tight ends. I, you know, that Austin Hooper deal looks worse every day that goes by. Um, the other surprising tag for me was Mike Gusecki, not because I don't believe in the talent, but because it seemed like Miami had lukewarm feelings toward him at best. Um, so I was mildly surprised that they see him as an important part of their team, I guess. Maybe it was Brian Flores had lukewarm feelings, uh, but they, you know, their new head coach was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco where they definitely have found a way to use George Kittle. So maybe that means good things for Mike Gusecki. Does it, doesn't that bury one of your sleepers for another year? Hunter Long? Well, it makes uh, the – that Hunter Long draft pick is even more curious now. Um, I thought maybe they were grooming him, but, you know. Or maybe they're going to – maybe every team's going back to the wishbone, let's be honest. The wishbone, <laughs> underrated offense. Uh, speaking of players that would probably benefit from the wishbone, today we are going to look at our top 10 dynasty consensus ranks at – running back. Uh, same panel of four um, voted on these. Uh, the There will be a written version of this coming up a little later. You'll be happy to know this week we actually have exactly 10. We still had two ties. Uh, there's a tie at seven and a tie at nine as we go down there. I think that shows a little bit how we're a little all over the board. There were three running backs uh, that scored in the 30-point range that kind of distanced themselves uh, from the rest. 
and then uh, one in the tw uh, 20, and the rest were all kind of in the between 10 and 14, which kind of shows you the spread where we're going. But one who we had no trouble placing is Jonathan Taylor, who comes in at number one. He got three first place votes, 39 total points. What do you like about Jonathan Taylor? I, I mean, what's not to like? He's still very young. Uh, he has the, uh, the explosion, and he's just getting all, almost all of the volume now. Uh, it, actually, speaking of curious contracts, it makes the Neim Hines contract look very, very unorthodox now at this juncture. Maybe um, he's playing wide receiver too. We don't know. Or maybe or they're going back to the wishbone. Yeah. The three. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, uh, the only concern I ever have about Jonathan Taylor is if Frank Reich remembers he's on the team and that he's supposed to get the ball. Um, number two coming in for us is Najee Harris, second-year guy, uh, was the top running back drafted by the Steelers last year. He got uh, John's first-place vote. Uh, he was second for me and Ricky. You were a little bit lower, putting him fourth. Uh, trepidations about Harris or the offense? Uh, more trepidation about Harris. If you can be trepidatious having a, a running back rank number four and seeing that as a, a negative. Um, my, my real, uh, my focus at running back, uh, especially in dynasty, you, you want to really, I suppose, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to work age into this as well. Uh, but just in general, volume is king. Um, high value touches, specifically pass catching, is is my second priority. And then if we're breaking ties, you want kind of big play upside. Um, for years, much like yourself, of dealing with Le'Veon Bell, uh, you got all the volume, you got all the pass catching, you never saw a play more than 25 yards. Um, so, uh, for example, like a Jonathan Taylor, you definitely we're getting uh, the potential for a 60-yard touchdown on almost any given play. Najee Harris, to me, fits a bit more of that Le'Veon Bell role where he might break some tackles, but he's probably getting tackled immediately after. And he's not really going to stretch the field, but he certainly has the pass-catching upside. And he's shown that he's going to get 90% of the Steelers' touches from the backfield. Uh, and that's worth a lot. I mean, I, I certainly can scratch my head a little bit um, having him behind someone like Swift, who still seems to be mired in a in a bit of a uh, a backfield with Jamal Williams and uh, Javante Williams, who I, I seem to be standing for extremely hard. Um, I guess that's more of a, a perpetual hope that Melvin Gordon just kind of fades off into the sunset and Javante Williams gets the entire role. Yeah. So um, I will say Harris is long last year was 37. He also got 307 carries, which is more than Bell got in four of his five seasons. So that is on the positive note. Le'Veon Bell was a little more explosive than I think you remember. In his five years in Pittsburgh, his long rush uh, was 43 as a rookie, 81 uh, in his second year, 42 in 2015, 44 in 2016, and 27 uh, in his last year, 2017. So he never had a year where it was only 25 and he had in all years pass plays over 40 yards as well i think he was a little more explosive probably than what we saw from harris last year but i'm going to give the caveat that i love what he's done and it would be hard to have a worse offensive line quarterback combination in 2022 than what he had in 2021 all apologies to ben roethlisberger who had a fantastic career he was not the same guy last year and their ability to challenge vertically wasn't the same when you combine that with a subpar offensive line i think it's actually was a miracle to me that harris did as well as he did um without a lot of holes without a lot of soft defensive coverages. So I'm curious to see what he does. Um, but there is always that risk. Steelers, one of the teams with an offense, maybe a little bit in flux. 
the number three consensus uh, for us, we uh, you had him as your number two. The rest of us all had him at number three. 33 overall points is DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm going to start. I'll say my only hesitation with Swift is not really the timeshare. It's him being able to stay on the field because we've seen him miss time each of the first two years, but he's such a dynamic weapon and a threat in both places. He and TJ Hawkinson and Amon St. Brown seem to be giving Detroit this kind of awesome core of young players for Jared Goff. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I, I get the same, same sense. I think, uh, I feel like he has a, a little bit higher ceiling and staying on the field. Uh, for me, it doesn't, you know, we've seen, we've seen him this time, but at the running back position, I, I don't feel like that's really different from anybody else. They just happen to stay healthy for an entire season. Um, I think at the position you're really shooting uh, in in regards to the long term, you're trying to get some of these high-valued running backs just for their one season or two seasons where they finish as a top three back or or essentially are a, a league-winning type of back and see if you can capitalize on that in the time. So it's, it's a matter of how many seasons can you possibly get out of a player where you have that opportunity. Uh, and that's why I, I think I, I favor... Uh, the Swift and Javante Williams slightly over Najee Harris, who is an older rookie coming out of college, whereas Swift and Javante were were closer, I believe, in the 20 and 21-year-old range coming out of college. Yeah. So after those kind of top three, there was a pretty big fall off uh, in the way that we had our ranks. Coming in number four, but only 20 points, is uh, Christian McCaffrey. And we were a little bit split. You know, if he would have done this at this time last year, he probably was still a consensus number one. But he has only appeared in 10 games the last two years. So durability a question. Nobody knows what Carolina's doing on offense. We talked about not having a quarterback. They may have less than no quarterback unless they can make some some kind of a big move. Uh, what are you feeling about Christian McCaffrey now? Uh, you're getting into that uh, scared twilight of the of the running back age, but uh, for the most part, he still presents the highest upside of all the players at the position. So, I again, where we're looking for that one pivotal season. CMC still, every time we've seen him on the field, he appears to have it. So it's just baking in that risk that maybe you have two more opportunities for seasons where he could potentially hit that uh, legendary threshold of, you know, over 22, 25 fantasy points per game. And much like Beetlejuice, you say his name enough and he appears. And Ricky obviously was felt the siren call of us talking about his love for Ryan Tannehill. Is that what it was? Can you guys see me? No, I think your camera's oh. off. That's why I was sure if you were ready. I don't understand what's going on either. I, I don't really know what's going on. It shows my camera's on, but I, I don't even know. I just came in here to bug you guys for a minute. I'm in the middle of doing like five thousand things at one time. But um, you sound just, great. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. No problem. Yeah. No. I uh, I just came in to say that anything these guys have said for the last 32 minutes. And- Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 50 seconds is completely wrong. <laughs> and um, I'm kidding. I love you guys. Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting week of football. I'm sure you guys tackled a lot of what um, has kind of happened. I look forward to free agency next week. Um, I look forward to us rediscussing all of our rankings after free agency really just throws us all for a damn loop. You know what I mean? Like, because... Fox and I were talking about it. I'm like, you have a week like we had, and it's not even free agency yet, right? You know what I mean? It's not even free agency yet. McCaffrey could be on the move. Barkley could be on the move. You know, we can see a lot of shifting pieces that really just make us go, 
what is going on? And, and it's really fun to, so when Fox yells at you and says, give me your rankings now or you're fired. And that's what he did to me. And when he does something like that, you have to, uh, you know, really kind of bucker up and, and get him going. And it was like, I don't know about y'all guys. And I, I heard you touching on a little bit, but running backs is ugly. Like it's just ugly anymore. Like, I don't know if I would draft if I'm in a if I'm in a dynasty league. I don't know if I really care about running back that much. Like, it's it's like, is it worth it to have a guy for two or three years? I, I don't even know anymore. And a lot of these guys are going to the two back system, and it's like, make sure you start the right one that week. And it's like, it's really murky up there in in, in Green Bay, especially with Aaron Jones. And he's one I really struggled with because I love Aaron Jones. I love what he's able to do. And I love what he's capable of doing, but AJ Dillon's not going anywhere. And that's terrifying. You know what I mean? And and he's thoroughly scary in that backfield. And you're right about McCaffrey. You hit the nail on the head. It's like when that guy's healthy, I don't know if there's a better running back in football. You know, especially in fantasy, that is. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if there's a better running back in football. Same can be said for Kamara as well. So yeah, it's I look forward to the free agency because I really feel like we're going to see a lot of dominoes fall into place, especially when it comes to the running back position. So I really look forward to all my top 10 that are my top 10 right now to be completely different in, in a week. And, and really, I'm going to probably like, I don't remember where I had Javante at, but I really look forward to having him move completely off my rankings when Melvin Gordon signs back. So now that I'm probably going to be kicked off the show, it's been real, guys. <laughs> I'm worried about... Melvin Gordon, too. I also saw some Denver Broncos fans saying, well, we should re-sign Teddy Bridgewater anyway. And I was like, I, I might have to quit the Denver Bronco fan groups on Facebook. Did I miss the victory lap of the Russell Wilson trade in here? I, I must have, right? I must have. Yeah, that was but. right up at the top. Well, you're looking – so that would be a good question for you. Jason and I were the only two of our panel that actually had Wilson uh, ranked top 10 when we did quarterback consensus ranks last week. So I had him at eight already. He didn't move for me. I don't really think he moved for Jason, but did he move for you? He moves a little bit, yeah. I, I need to see how the rest of the offseason plays out for the Broncos. I, I really feel like they need to um, really kind of identify themselves. I, I mean, obviously, it, it, it's a stock up on Sutton, uh, Sutton and um, Judy. I think that uh, having Jerry Judy, who I think is one of the best wide receiver prospects to come out in the last couple of years, um, to have him have a quarterback, obviously he's going to work out to work on those drops because they're terrible. And maybe his demeanor will be a little bit better. His attitude is a little piss poor. And we talk, Fox and I talked about that. And I know that's one of Fox's frustrations with Judy all through last season. Um, he kind of had that demeanor when he was on the football field. You knew he wasn't going to get the ball because of how he acted <laughs> on, you know, when he jumped off the, off the line so hopefully that kind of improves a little bit we saw with his tweets um one tweet was you know whenever rogers signed back and then you know three hours later russell wilson's coming to town i still think wilson has a lot in the tank and and i i didn't think i had him in my top 10 because i if he was going to stay in seattle that's teams just always in purgatory and and they're not willing to they've never really been willing to highlight what wilson is, is good at and how they've kind of really taken away the run from him. He's very good on his legs. And and that's one thing that has been completely wiped away in his last couple of years as quarterback for Seattle is he's able to make plays on his feet. And I hope to see more of that because if you have good route runners in Sutton and Judy, they can get away from, you know, and, and he obviously already has an upgrade behind the offensive line. I'd like to see the Broncos move a little bit more, try to get a little bit more certainty behind that front five. But if, if Wilson's good at escaping the pocket, I think people forget how good Wilson is because he kind of got lost in there, but we've seen flashes of Wilson um, over the last couple of years. I, I do think that he could, he personally, I feel like he can finish easily in the top five at the end of this year. You know what I mean? If everything goes according to plan, which it could, you know what I'm saying? Like this is a good team and you're playing in a division where there's going to be a lot of fireworks. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of fireworks. And of course the Chargers made a move to really kind of hone in on that pass rush, which was brilliant, brilliant move. I think it was a, a, a steal, especially considering the Bears are paying a lot of that contract in the first year. Like, I mean, that's just absurd. And and thinking about having Mac and Bose on the defensive line chasing you down is just terrifying. I mean, but when it comes down to it, I still think you got a shootout between all those teams. You know what I mean? I still think that I, I don't think the Broncos are, in my opinion, the Broncos are still third in my, in my opinion. Um, because I need to see what Wilson can do in that offense. But this early in the offseason, he's going to have a lot of time. So if those receivers get with him, I think that we could see a really good team 
Um, and honestly, I could see all three teams making the playoffs. I, I really do. I, I, and uh, this is just – I was listening to the Titans schedule this morning, and they play the West this year. And I'm like, they might go 0-4 against just the uh, the West alone. But <clears throat> the uh, you don't have to win – and the crazy thing, everybody's like, well, they're not going to win the West. You don't have to win the West, right? You would like to, for sure. But you have four – I mean, you have three wild card spots that are wide open, and we've seen these lower seeds – make it to the championship you know what i mean it's been done so you know these teams are going to beat up on each other all year perceivably so but uh, as i mentioned in my tweet um fox and i literally talked about this a week or two weeks ago maybe when we we're talking about the broncos they lost like five one loss game or once one score yeah, games. One games and and on top of that they were one in i think they were a, one in five in the division so if you get three more wins out of Wilson, you're a 10 and 17, you're a wild card team, period. And then you kind of, when the, when the playoffs happen, you are a brand new team. So what's going to be uh, interesting is the NFC West and the AFC West play each other this year, um, which are arguably the two strongest divisions top to bottom um, that could have huge impacts on both wild card fields. Yeah, and again, I'm out of here, guys. Thank you for letting me come in and crash the party. Um, also, real quick, I'm going to be on record, as everybody knows that I love Joe Burrow, but I'm on record now. I, I think that, and I'm going to record this from 11, 11, 12 Central Time on whatever day today is, that the Bengals are going to miss the playoffs next year. So, it, it, it book it. It's going to happen. I, I And Joe Burrow will never be back in the Super Bowl again. I, I, I love Joe Burrow, and I would love to see that man win a Super Bowl, but – the 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 AFC is just too good, and think about think about that Chargers front four um, playing Joe Burrow in the playoffs, and think again. Like it's you're just they, gonna die. They've got to get some line. You may have cost yourself uh, Skyline Chili, um, but I've seen <laughs> Skyline Chili, so maybe that's not a loss. Yeah, it's not good. So. Sorry, um, I'm gonna go before anybody else. Like you know, I get death threats or anything like that. But thank you, Jason, for stepping in for me this week. Matt, thanks for taking charge, and I promise I'll be back sooner than everybody thinks. That yes, um, Wednesday. Yes, we got the big free agency, which basically everybody will probably already be signed that needs to be signed. So you know, it'll be just us recapping all of the uh, temporary period where everybody, you know, I'm not talking to this guy. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Jason, your lighting is really good, man. I need to I need to get with you in your lighting. So, all right, I'm out, guys. Thanks, man. <laughs> Take care, Ricky. Thank you. I think Ricky just needed some lighting. Oh, it was, it was great to have Ricky drop in and uh, bring some bring some noise to the show. It's fantastic. Well, we're gonna go back to uh, consensus ranks. We're, we're kind of in the middle. Uh, number five for us, 14 points. Dalvin Cook. Um, I had him four. Ricky had him five. You had him 10. John didn't even rank him. Um, what scares you about Dalvin Cook? Uh, this is a curious one uh, for me because he's he's definitely demonstrated his his talent for scoring lots of fantasy points. Um, I guess there's a little bit of the, the legal rumblings that have been going on for the past year. And I is his advanced uh let's not say advanced like he's he's old considering uh how old we are and <laughs> being a 26 27 year old would be a a real fountain of youth type of thing at this point in our lives but uh i'm just i guess i'm, I'm putting him in a in a category where I, i've got mccaffrey barkley and and cook as as kind of the the true veteran backs that are still top 10. um top 10 in my rankings, I, I feel like there's just a little bit more, a little bit more risk in his profile and in some of the, I guess, I, I can't really bring up much of an argument outside of the legal issues at, at this point. Um, otherwise, I'm just taking some, some players that seem to be in more hospitable situations. Yeah, and I think some people get worried about the injury risk, but I feel like that's been a little overblown. He he has missed some games. I think it's hard.
I spaced out for a minute. Oh, that's all good. Uh, if you can get them to play, um, you know, it's good. I guess I, I do have some questions about Minnesota's offense, and I wonder what's going to change uh, with the new coaching regime. But uh, it probably just speaks to running back. Running back is a tough nut to crack. Uh, next on our list is Antonio Gibson. He is entering uh, his third year, was a wide receiver in college, which uh, probably caused some people to not know if he could be a guy to carry the load. He frequently went the end of second or even in the third round of rookie drafts. And all he's done is have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, That being said, uh, only three of us ranked Antonio Gibson. I was not one of them. Uh, John had him fifth. Ricky had him sixth. You had him uh, ninth. I did not rank him. I still like Antonio Gibson. For me, he was uh, he was right at number thirteen, um, so just a little bit outside my top twelve. I still like him. Um, I think he's good. I am very happy with the shares I have, especially where I got him in a lot of those rookie drafts. Um, but I not as high on his upside as some others, and maybe that's me not being as high on Washington's upside as some others. I, I think you sum it up pretty well. He's clearly getting, uh, you know, the volume, and it looks like they're they're more willing to give him some some looks in the passing game, despite J.D. McKissick. And uh, for me, it, you pretty much said it. It's I, I don't think he's getting that RB one season overall anytime, uh, and that's kind of what. Um, what keeps him from, from being much higher on the board for me, although nine is pretty high and that speaks to um, him just going into year three uh, really for me and, and the workload. Yeah, he's definitely a a good back. And like I said, he was a super value. uh, If you picked him up in rookie drafts, less of a value now, because I have seen him go up in that top 10, which is maybe why I steer a little further away from him in, uh, startups. Next at seven, we actually have our first tie. So uh, we have a veteran in Austin Eckler and the rookie Javante Williams, each of them getting 12 points. It's kind of a tale of two players. We'll start with Eckler. All of us had Eckler ranked somewhere. The highest that he was ranked was seventh. Uh, lowest he was ranked was ninth by Ricky. Um, what do you think about Austin Eckler? Obviously a, a pretty solid offense there with the Chargers. Yeah, and I guess I would have to, ex, you know, excuse myself for not including him with, with Barkley and Cook at, at this point as, a, you know, an older back who's clearly demonstrated he can really perform. Uh, I... I've, I've been surprised that they've they've used him as much as they have uh, with the volume. Uh, we, we clearly understand his pass catching upside and his burst ability. Um, I think he was he was hindered a bit with nagging injuries down the stretch. And so we saw some other exposure to, say, Justin Jackson. But I I think uh, he still has that opportunity for for an elite you know, top three overall season, um, more to the degree of, of say a Dalvin Cook, and and uh, for me Barkley more so than than a Gibson, and that's why he came in at seven for me. Which, I mean, if you're arguing between seven, eight, nine, and ten, I'm I'm not going to say, you know, you're wrong for having Mixon over him or, you know. Uh, even if you wanted to go Gibson or Dalvin Cook, it's it's splitting hairs for me, really, at the position. Like Ricky said, it's uh, very much uh, uh, a swamp, if you will, in that later RB RB rankings. Yeah, and I love the offense. I love the production. He had career highs in and rushing carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns last year. I think he's about as rock solid as you can get in that situation. Doesn't have a lot of competition for touches. On the flip side, we have Javante Williams, who was the second best running back off the board 
uh, in the rookie drafts last year. You actually have him ranked one spot ahead of Najee Harris. You and I were the only ones that ranked him. You had him third. I had him seventh. I love Javante Williams. My only hesitation, I will say, is I'm worried. If they let him have the full workload, which we saw several times down the stretch, he could be a beast. He could be easily a top three fantasy scorer. I worry if they sign somebody, God forbid they bring back Melvin Gordon. But how do you feel about Javante? Uh, I think he could easily be the most. Let's say I don't see him being any different from Jonathan Taylor from a skill perspective. If the situation changes, he can easily be the number one overall running back you know, midway through the season, if he has all of the volume, in my opinion. So it's definitely a bit of wish casting uh, on my end, I guess, hoping for Melvin Gordon to 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 move on to a different team. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> but, I, you know, I agree. I love Javante Williams' power. He was a good receiver. I guess the only question is Denver's coaches. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I like the, the youth, too, compared to all these other backs. I, I'd rather uh, roster him ahead of them, knowing he's got several years ahead to, to give me the opportunity to hit a home run. Um, yeah. <laughs> so our last two guys also ended up in a tie, a tie at nine with 10 points, uh, Nick Chubb of the Browns and Joe Mixon of the Bengals. So we'll start with Chubb. Um, probably one of the best pure runners. He's not usually a huge receiving threat, but in that system, he seems to get consistent volume, and that's been enough even in the PPR scoring that I think most people play and that I know I play in for him to be a top 10 option. What do you like about Chubb? Um, Chubb for me is is like a, a unicorn of rushing efficiency, which I, I don't think you can – really find almost anywhere. And, and the question is whether it's strictly uh, the Browns situation, their offensive line, the way their their scheme is set up. Um, clearly, they don't do anything very well in the passing game. So it's fortunate that the running game is, is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, just the lack of receptions for Chubb really limits his ceiling for me. That's why I didn't have him in the top 10. But I, I think he's a steady producer, and you can probably find some great values with him. Yeah, and, you know, no one benefited more from the fact that the Browns are going all in on the tight end position than Nick Chubb. You know, they won't have a Landry or a Beckham. They've got Njuku, Harrison Bryant, and Austin Hooper, so they're just they're going to be power eye all the time. Yeah. On the flip side, Mixon is a guy that was in – all uh, four of our ranks. I had him at 10. So did Ricky. You had him at eight. Uh, John had him all the way up at six. What do you think about Mixon? Um, I had never been very high on Mixon. Um, and that could just be a view on Cincinnati in general leading up to the season. Um, this is more of uh, an acknowledgement that he's, he's getting the workload. He's getting the receptions. Uh, after after him, you're starting to get questions in that department at, at other other running backs throughout the league, and I I happen to enjoy the Joe Burrow situation um, despite Ricky's hesitancy over the Bengals next next season. Uh, Mixon for me is is more of a a safety play at the position. Uh, I think he represents a modicum of upside, um, but I'm just not excited about him. That makes sense. Yeah, and he he has dual threat ability, but um, obviously Cincinnati has a plethora of pass catching weapons, so I don't think he's high up there on the target charts. But for me, no one would benefit more from a offensive line upgrade in Cincinnati than Nixon. Um, you know, the, the same things that hold back Burrow. I don't think Mixon's run behind a good offensive line at any point in his career, and he still managed to produce mostly. 
Um, so I think it's the volume and the position that puts him in there. But I have him a little bit lower. As I said, he was 10 for me because I don't see quite as much upside as some of the uh, the other guys potentially there. So that that is our top 10. Uh, but before we move away from running backs, who's one guy that didn't make the consensus top 10 that you think should be in there? Uh, well, looking back at my rankings, I had Saquon Barkley as the sixth running back in my rankings. Uh, I think I explained a lot of my opinion on the veteran backs that have a chance to still produce uh, the elite season. Uh, Barkley provided he's in his current situation with the Giants. Um, sure, there's trepidation over his usage last year and just very poor performance. Um, but I can, you know, uh, spin a narrative to describe that away, which has almost no fact base basis behind it. Um, but I, I still think he's going to get that significant volume. And we've seen that, uh, some pretty dramatic performance from him over the years. And I, I'd rather gamble on, on him uh, among some of these other backs to swing for the fence. Yeah. And, you know, that's a pretty good call. I have Barkley just outside my top 10. Um, I actually think he might be a guy that I would move up if I thought he was going to move away from the Giants. I like Brian Dable, but one thing you would say about Buffalo is we never really saw a great and consistent running game, uh, unless you're talking about Josh Allen. Maybe that's the talent they have. Maybe it's a little bit of a scheme. I still have questions. Do the Giants even have an offensive line? So uh, Barkley was probably a generational talent that may have gotten wasted because of the team and position that drafted him. For me, the one that uh, I have also is my number six back. There was something about you and I with our sixth place position that nobody else could get on the bus uh, is Alvin Kamara. Kamara has been rock solid for PPR, um, very consistent with getting targets. He's been, he's probably the star on the New Orleans offense, but I get the, the big hesitation is probably the, legal issue which is hanging over him and we have seen that you know this time last year there were probably a lot of people that still had Deshaun Watson in their top five and then ended up having to see him not be available for a year um, that's definitely concern it's something that bears watching but from a talent standpoint I just think Kamara we saw him do it last year with functionally no quarterback back there and no receiving game whatsoever um and he, you know, I just like the talent and the production. Maybe the scheme changes. I think that could be scaring some people off. But until I see that he can't do it, he's going to be up there for me as long as he's available. I I think you make a, an excellent point. I was uh, discussing a, uh, an acquaintance of mine on Twitter. Uh, we're discussing in the DMs. Uh, Connor LaPlante was doing work with, uh, I guess it would be a, fantasy football war wins above replacement and Alvin Kamara has three seasons where he was over 2.2 wins above replacement at the position. And that's kind of a threshold where, uh, for example, in the past, I believe it was the past 10 years, only around 37 players reached that threshold, which means you're only getting a couple of those in a single season. Two, maybe two and a half. So that's pretty remarkable given that he's always had to cede a few touches to another back for the most part during his yeah. tenure. So um, it's really just the legal issues for me. You, you make a great point. He's just as talented as, as any of those 25, 26 year old backs, uh, barring maybe McCaffrey. Um, we can just consider he gets the complete volume, but I think that's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really, I guess for me, I have Dalvin Cook at 10. I could easily interchange Kamara there. Um, they feel like the similar situations, different skill sets. Yeah. And it's going to be curious. I mean, there's a few players that we're watching this offseason to see where they go. Well, that's going to do it for the uh, the NFL portion. I will hit uh, movie corner briefly here at the at the end. Um, Jason, this is your this is your week because this is the movie weekend for streamers. There are no big theatrical releases. If you haven't seen the Batman, people have stayed away from it. It is still uh, the predominant 
theater movie, uh, but it's all about streaming service films. Uh, so I'm going to highlight there are three uh, that I think are worth checking out. One from last week is the documentary Lucy and Desi. Uh, it was directed by Amy Poehler. It premiered at Sundance. It's on Amazon Prime. It is a beautiful documentary about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, their kind of life, career, and relationship together. I thought it was very moving. Um, I have it up in my top 10. I thought it's the best documentary I've seen so far this year. Definitely worth checking out, uh, learning more about their life. But the two big releases this week are actually both streaming releases. Disney saw that the a Pixar movie was ready to release and said no to theaters yet again and put it out on Disney Plus, not even on premium Disney Plus. It's just regular Disney Plus and that is turning red. I watched that this morning. I thought it was uh, cute, <clears throat> very kind of beautiful, uh, beautifully drawn, uh, nice addition to the Pixar library. Ricky gave it, I think, three and a half stars. I gave it three stars. Uh, that is going to be one of the movies covered on the Banana Meter this week. The other one on the Banana Meter this week is The Adam Project, which is on Netflix. It has Ryan Reynolds in it. I have not quite seen that one yet, but Ricky saw it and has it up in his top 10. He loved it. Uh, you can look for his review. Um, that's going to be our other Banana Meter movie. So, Jason, they're looking out for you, uh, somebody who wants to be able to kick back and watch a film at home since you have young children. Almost every streaming site has one for you this week. Fantastic. Actually, uh, I'm looking forward today. Uh, the I think it's the last two episodes of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel should be up on Amazon Prime. So Indeed. Yes. My wife and I are also enjoying that one. I'm kind of bummed it's only an eight-episode season, but, you know. You take, take what, what you can get. get. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds to like. Well, next week, uh, Ricky and I will be doing a, a free agency show on Wednesday, but on Friday we will be back looking at wide receiver dynasty consensus ranks. Members of the panel um, will be will be in, and that will be my last day in Colorado before I experience that fresh Nevada air that uh, Jason's been drinking in. But until then, uh, where can people find you? Um, at Asterita Jason on Twitter. That's uh, the only place you're going to find me unless you're checking out uh, some work on uh, Music City Drive. And I'm at Nighthawk7734. Uh, just keep looking out. We've been posting stories about all of the, uh, the moves that are happening. I'm sure there is going to be a million moves more to cover starting Monday. Actually, Matt, real quick, did you have any opinion on the uh, Calvin Ridley suspension? Boy. That was, that was such a bummer. Um, yeah, I forgot that was this week. It's been such a week. That was Monday, I think. Uh, yeah, imagine all the news that had to come out in order to squash that topic. Yeah, it's a, it's a real bummer. I, gambling in sports is a real red flag. It's been the uncrossable line, not just for the NFL, but for all sports for many, many years. So it makes sense to me based on the integrity of the game. And we're not talking about the integrity of the people that play the game. I know there's been a lot of comparisons between that and people who have committed domestic violence or other heinous acts. And those are problems that probably should be taken more seriously. But all professional sports have always had kind of a, a hard red line about things that cause perceptions of possibly inequity in playing games because almost all of these sports rely heavily on fan interest and gambling's always been a big part of that. It's ironic. Everybody, you know, the sports need gambling to survive, but the players are not to do gambling or they can't be a part of it. It's a real bummer. I hope that we see Calvin Ridley again. Um, for those of us that wrote out a really rough, you know, starting 2021, I thought he could be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy. And to go from that to we we hope we see him in 2023 and we have no idea where he's going to play is a little bit rough. But how did that uh, kind of a bummer for you too? Yeah. Uh, first, you – we're very eloquent in, in your summation of the whole situation, uh, particularly with the inequities involved. Um, I guess this, for me, it felt like this was their opportunity to set a precedent now that gambling is more pervasive throughout the United States. And uh, taking the hard line now eliminates problems with you know, the future. Um, whereas, um, and this is, I, you can't compare 
uh, the acts of domestic violence versus gambling. They're completely separate entities there. Um, but as far as precedence in domestic violence, unfortunately, we have years of, of labor relations between the NFLPA and, and the league where they already have, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, punishments that have been in place that kind of set a standard that they have to build on. And again, the NFLPA is still going to side to try and help players. And so they can always look back at these, uh, if you want to call them uh, earlier previous punishments that uh, admittedly were, were not severe enough uh, looking back. And so you're, you're kind of have to slowly uh, incrementally increase those. Whereas in this situation, they had the opportunity to just get it right the first time, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's interesting, like you said, in, in a lot of these other situations, almost immediately when a punishment comes down, there's talk, there's going to be an appeal, they'll settle at a lower number. I haven't heard any of that in a week um, with Calvin Ridley. So I would, if you're a fantasy player, especially a dynasty player, I have a couple shares myself. This is the absolute worst time to try to trade him. I would try to ride it out and have him on your bench. I've seen some horrendous offers um, come through for, for a Ridley, like trying to offer you a third round pick in this draft or a fourth round pick in this draft. It's not worth it. It'd be better to take the gamble that you're going to get Calvin Ridley back in 2023 than to take the gamble, in my opinion, on a third or fourth round pick. Yeah, and that's uh, that's not to say that Calvin Ridley couldn't gamble on anything. Uh, just not the NFL. Uh, there's lots of other sports going on that he has the opportunity to gamble on. So, yeah, sad story all the way around. Hopefully, he will get back on there. Um, but that's uh, that will definitely be one that probably impacted our wide receiver ranks that we'll be looking at uh, next week. I had him on the cusp uh, still of of top 12 and I have definitely dropped him down uh, quite a ways. So, and you know, that's when we get into wide receiver and tight end, we'll probably see a little more scoring shakeups uh, based on the, the trades we've seen and possibly on uh, some of the signings that we get some uh, marquee guys are out there um, could end up in some good locations. So I'll be curious to see how things shake out when we get to next Friday, but for now have a great weekend. Take care. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.